the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday's sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem. I made you laugh before we came on. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's no proof. Um, Hello. I'm Jim. Who are you? (laughs) Nice to see you. I'm I'm Emily Jim's uh, compadre. I don't I don't know what I am. <laughs> your your interviewer for today. Your interlocutor. In your interrogator. Um, hmm. Here to discuss with you the topic of anger. I'm really interested in why you didn't you didn't like make any anger jokes. Too obvious. Yeah. So I thought about it at multiple points. The, uh-huh. the play on our last name. Yeah. Yeah, no. Your last name. <laughs> <laughs> nope. What were the ones that you didn't, you the, what's the run through? Just, just the standard, uh-huh. uh, this is, I guess the, the easiest one would have been, this is something that I have a lot of kind of going in that direction. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. anger runs deep in my family, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> sort what's of What's the best anger joke you've ever gotten? I don't think I ever have gotten no, a good one. No one, yeah, it's all yeah. the same, tried, tried and true. What what have been what have been your experiences as you've taken it's on an anger like last name? It's mostly middle school, Mrs. Anger. So it's not particularly. It's not also not particularly great. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I'll take that back. Uh, uh, Westminster seminary professor of mine when I first got to camp. Well, I was working in the bookstore and I was doing some filing of books, which I was not very good at, but a professor was walking by and said, anger is a great name for theological studies. Oh, interesting. Hmm. hmm. So a lot of theologians that, that have initials. Yeah. So JC anger. Yeah. Yeah. Good. There's a J.C. Ryle. And... <laughs> Write that theology treatise. Mm, love it. <laughs> um, okay. Getting into anger. Big picture, big picture anger. What's the story here? What's the story about anger and play the place of, in the placement of the seven deadly sins? I think it's, it's like our kids M. Everyone is interesting, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I think for... For anger, unlike something like gluttony, where people would say, is that really a big deal or not? I think in the case of anger, people would say, yeah, anger is a really big deal, especially when other people get angry. Mm -hmm. So I think there is recognition on one hand that we live in a very angry world and that anger makes things worse for a lot of people. And this is where I would have made a last name joke, like after I said something like that sure. in, in the sermon. But we're holding off on that low-lying fruit right here. So, yeah, common, it's a problem, we get it. But then also I think there's something uniquely self-justifying about anger, mm-hmm. where we chronically 
overreact to other people's anger and underreact to our own. Mm -hmm. And so there is this impulse to say, and I mentioned this pretty directly in the sermon. Yeah, but do you know, do you you know what what was done to me? Or yeah, I know I shouldn't have done that, but I was tired or I was stressed. So there's, there's an excuse making when it comes to anger. But when you go into workplace environments, family gatherings, household stuff, anger is just one of those things that makes things run worse. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this felt like a practical sermon. Sure. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see it as practical. I, again, with my uh, Liberty Bridge tryout afterwards, um, in the evening, the um, hanging out with the fourth and fifth graders, I also posited to them the concept of anger and whether or not it was an issue for them. Um, What did they say? Oh, yeah. Fourth and fifth graders, no anger at all. Were, were they saying, yeah, people get angry at me all the time, or, yeah, well, I, I, was or asking, I really need to work I, on my angry self? I was asking if they have ever gotten angry at their siblings, and whether or not their parents have ever gotten angry at them, and whether hmm. they've ever gotten angry at their parents. I will not. Anecdotally, I will say, when it comes to parents, I'm surprised at how often people say my parents were just shouting at me when... I was present in those conversations and it wasn't shouting. So I think we're especially <laughs> sensitive to loud voices. Parental, parental shouting. Uh-huh. But yeah, the definition of shouting yeah. does seem different than it. But yeah, raise there's your voice is probably still. Great inflation <laughs> when it comes to like shouting. Um, but yeah, when you, as you encounter, as you encounter these like the seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. series like what's going on for you personally as you have to like interact with it spiritually yourself this concept of anger or the concept of whatever sin we're looking at is there something different than when you're looking at it not in this like very specific sin based thematic are you asking about anger or about the series in general as i approach it probably both maybe yeah just curious okay i think well i think the goal is that this would be a practical sermon series Mm -hmm. and so i am thinking practically with every of these sins as far as how how it plays out in my own life and i think for anger and this isn't i didn't feel a need to say this in the sermon i i think outwardly and i think a spouse would be a good person to bounce this idea off of (laughs) I don't think I'm outwardly an angry person, either mm-hmm. as far as family members, friends, repeatedly complaining about how I've hulked out right. on them. Sure. The The struggle for me more is the internal smoldering, where uh, I think even in our marriage, um, there have been times when you've sensed anger in me that I should have been talking about, but have just been slow burning and mm-hmm. so I, I i think i'm a underwater river kind of guy when yeah. it, when you know, when it comes to anger unless the flashpoint i'm always flying off the handle right. and and i i think yeah I, I didn't really take the sermon in that direction too much so maybe this is one of the sermons where if i was just preaching to me i would have taken a slightly different approach whereas i think for a lot of people, 
there is the anger problem is more dramatically dramatic external. surface level mm-hmm. that sort of thing so yeah it could be Maybe. but i but it could be and am i self-assessing incorrectly what do you think no i I see that for sure. Okay. I was just curious, just from in the context of the questions here, and the idea that of how. Um, uh, actually, my mind just <laughs> started a sentence that I like totally lost. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'll I'll say this before we go into Sun Studios. I I didn't have the feeling going into this sermon, nor coming out of it that this is a topic where I would need to work super hard to get people to recognize. Sure, got it. it. Yeah, because we all, it's in the two-year-olds. It's in the... Everybody's yeah. angry. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Bruce Banner. Oh, yeah, yeah, just like Just like Bruce Banner. Hmm. Um, so, moving on to um, Sun Studios, then thinking about this passage, how did you land on this passage to cover the topic of anger? The question for me with Matthew 5, and yeah, with this topical sermon series, I'm choosing a sermon text week by week where preaching through Genesis, preaching through Colossians, the sermon text is divided up months ahead of time, and I just kind of check the schedule to see what I'll be preaching about that week, sermon text-wise. And then the basic question for me this time around, I'm choosing a sermon, was there was always in the back of my mind since I started knowing and thinking about that I was going to be preaching seven deadly sins, including on anger, would there be any reason for me not to go to Jesus talking about anger in the Sermon on the Mount? There are other passages that came and went, but fairly early on in the more focused preparation process for this sermon, I just kind of settled on the fact, yeah, this is an obvious one Mm -hmm. when it comes to anger, but gets the job done, really good words, good words from Jesus here sure. that that I this is one of those don't need to overthink it and get super cute with a mm-hmm. sermon sermon passage that people are just going to think it is so amazing that this sermon text was chosen by Jim how did he even have that connection to to be able to the maestro that he is sure. pull out the melody but instead it's yeah this is an obvious text but also hopefully a hard-hitting one. Right. So what's, what are the challenges with that then, or in this text, as you came to unpack it for us? You want to try to freshen it up a little bit and get people to, to hear it with, with fresh eyes and ears. But more specifically, challenging, people are familiar with this passage saying, yeah, 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 Jesus says that if we're angry in our hearts, we're already committing a sin. We don't just need to outward murder, murder outwardly to run afoul of God's law. Uh, but then I think the natural self-justifying antibody is strong. So Christians that have heard this passage forever don't follow it. So as a preacher, what do I do with a sermon passage that is commonly heard but mm-hmm. infrequently followed and obeyed so it's it's less about the explaining the passage but getting people to be open to actually believing Jesus here and wanting to grow and that's the that that that's a harder issue there and and there is interesting stuff about 
the, the interesting aspects of the passage, Jesus claiming authority for himself over the Torah and, and in fulfillment of it, the whole construction of you've heard that it was said, quoting the Old Testament, but I say to you, what's, what's striking there is Jesus isn't pulling wisdom from surrounding culture. You've heard that it was said, or the world says this, but I say this instead. He's quoting the actual Hebrew scriptures mm -hmm, mm -hmm. inspired by God, but it's a pretty radical claim of authority about himself that as how it is the Ten Commandments are, the Sixth Commandment is you shall not murder. Jesus says, I say to you, and I'm relativizing, or probably a better word, fulfilling the authority of the Ten Commandments myself. And then Jesus uses hell as a warning, which he doesn't in every passage. So whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of, of fire. Right. And talked a little bit about doctrine of hell stuff. One other thing that I actually meant to mention in the sermon, but but forgot to, that there is a communal aspect to this, a recurring phrase when Jesus is talking about interpersonal objects of our anger, he uses sibling language. So three times Jesus mentions when you've wronged your brother, uh, which would have been her brother and sister. He's not just talking about being angry at anybody, but being angry at Mm -hmm. your brother or sister right. and so there is a strong thrust towards community formation here which i did talk about at the end of the sermon but there's actually sure. more textual platform to stand on than than i remembered to to mention and right. that makes all the sense in the world because when we've been hurt by other people's anger it's not the random person that honks at us and we never see again mm -hmm. it is that mother that father that husband that wife that brother that sister uh, somebody really close to us those are the words and blows that hurt the most unfortunately sure sure um and this section the come to terms with them with that person to reconcile um, yeah that's also a, an addition to the text that feel a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, Jesus is the, and we can go into muddying the waters here, it's Jesus the intensifier, where he's not just this easygoing Jimmy Buffett fan that is very laissez-faire about, yeah, do whatever you want, it's all good. Jesus has come not to abolish the law, but fulfill it, mm -hmm. and calls us to higher, deeper obedience than one might assume just from a reading in itself of the Hebrew scriptures. So, Jesus is fully gracious, but then also is fully demanding and commanding of our complete obedience and our complete heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And that, so that, in that next section, the context that you're addressing, like the context of how the secular world views anger mm -hmm. versus here, I think like that key um, movement towards reconciliation is one of the distinctives. Yeah. For sure. Um, another distinctive would be like, treating anger as sin versus, right. <clears throat> versus not. Um, and just to say really briefly about that, yep. um, one of the happy things that I've encountered when working more closely on the Seven Deadly Sins series is in most sermons so far, if not all of them, I forget, there's been interesting opportunity to talk about the overlap, but then discontinuity between 
sin language from the Bible and wellness language mm-hmm. in contemporary culture. And yeah, this is one of those examples, just as you were mentioning, that anger is more of a health and wellness issue. And there is a vertical component to sinning before God. And wellness gets at why angry is why anger is not great for us, but it's even deeper than that. And the Bible has much stronger an impulse towards reconciliation than the fight or flight impulse, mm-hmm. I think, in, in a lot of contemporary contexts. And really often the fight or flight context is sequential. So what do I do when I'm really angry at somebody? First in sequence, I'll fight, then I'll just go. Run away or hide. Right. right. Yeah. Or, or bury, bury the anger. Yeah, or unfriend, or just, uh, there's the cutoff culture where, uh, and this is, you know, this is also a nuanced thing where there are instances where you just need to cut off a friend or Mm -hmm. cut off a family member, while at the same time, let's recognize that we probably do that way too much, and there's a lot of instances where instead of just dropping these relationships, we should work to reconcile, and... Yeah, there are better things that we can do with our anger than just the fight or flight impulses. Sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about like that con- the context of um, anger as like the righteous anger yeah. concept, or if somebody has genuinely wronged you? Um, I don't know, violence or sexual abuse come to mind. Yeah. Like, what a Christian is supposed to do with um, the unjust situations that cause anger. Yeah, hopefully I gave a fair amount of consideration to those sorts of things in the sermon. And I wasn't going to preach a sermon without getting at some of those things. The thought behind encouraging people to triage out their anger according to their horizons of creation, fall, and redemption was an attempt to address some of those things. So because we're made in the image of God and there is right and wrong, when we are wronged, it's wrong. And Mm -hmm. so... From the creation horizon, it's good to be angered when wrong is done. But then there's the instance that causes the anger and then how we process it and deal with it when we combine quote-unquote righteous anger with ungodly response a lot of the time. And I think the challenge from a personal or practical perspective is that registers not as two emotions but as one. And so I chose the language of triage I don't know if it was helpfully, but it was least intentionally where we need to tease out different aspects of our anger because anger is monolithic in our hearts when we feel it. But then whether heat of the moment or at least being able to go back to say, now let's listen to our anger. I talked about anger as a complex emotion. Where is this anger registering because there is a genuine hurt that would be weird if not misguided for me not to get angry at it but then where's my ungodly response what are aspects of this anger that i need to work through and process to come to a deeper place of forgiveness reconciliation and restoration and and so on so don't don't treat anger either as all good or all bad it's usually a combination and i think the horizons of creation fall and redemption give us tools to do that but whether wellness culture or just more informally 
I think it's easier for us to say it's all one or all the other. Mm -hmm. But instead, there's aspects of of both. And this, this happens with when I try to, for well, whether it's Israel and Palestine or, which I mentioned in the sermon, or even marriage conflicts where it's, I've pretty rarely successfully gotten a uh, wronged husband or wronged wife to admit fault on his or her part because it's all what the other person has done. And I've spent a lot of time and effort with people to say, yes, what was done to you is wrong. And I'm saying that. But are there ways that you have responded in ungodly manner to the situation? And I get it. When people hear that, it's like, well, you're just blaming the victim. And the answer is no. Uh, scripture is more nuanced than than that, and and probably there's a pendulum swing from abuse victims. Previous iterations of our culture were blamed, right? But now, are there are there ways in which we can own stuff on both sides of difficult situations? Probably so, mm -hmm. and. It's okay to do a case-by-case -case basis as long as we have the paradigm of creation, fall, and redemption. Sure. I, I think there are instances where we've been told to not listen to our anger and just swallow it and bury it. But then there are also plenty of instances, whether church or otherwise, where... And it's more ecclesial context where people will justify ungodly anger and just call it righteous. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, yeah... Where there there is a self-justifying impulse to anger that I think we need to interrogate a little bit closely, and the the only being completely justified in one's anger all the time is is the Almighty God. Sure. So God doesn't sin, therefore His anger is a different kind than mm -hmm. for us as sinful people. But it is really complicated. Although let's not complicate it so much that we're just killing with fine print Jesus saying but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment mm -hmm. um, there there is a rubber hits the road aspect where we need to it's it's not it, it's a summary but it's not an oversimplification to say that we need to repent of our anger mm -hmm. um, and and there are points of wrestling as we live in these contemporary contexts I think that Christians are called to repent of anger in ways that even as followers of Jesus, we're like, hey, is it good or right for us to do? Mm -hmm. um, but I think we're f more full of pride than we're willing to admit. So I think there is something pretty deeply radical and challenging the more you think about it in a context like this. Because when we get angry, we don't want to be told to examine our ungodly responses to situations. Sure, sure. Um, but that's kind of what Jesus is saying here, I think. Fair enough. Um, Good news, right, baby? <laughs> Most of the time. Um, bar band cover tunes, are we ready to move on? No, we're not ready. Uh. <laughs> Let's just sit here a little bit more. Uh, two more things from Muddying the Waters. Uh -huh. uh, and this gets at the messiness of real-life situations. Jesus crucified and resurrected towards the end of the sermon, I terms of the redemption horizon tried to turn the diamond of the crucifixion and resurrection in a couple different directions and I just want to highlight 
going back to it again, the importance of grace in our gaps, where there are going to be situations when we've been hurt and we feel angry, when reconciliation just isn't possible for one reason or another, that's still when we need a, need Jesus in our lives. And I've mentioned that it was mentioned to me, a preacher once said, suffering will either make you bitter or beautiful mm -hmm. over time. I think that's true. And how we move in beautiful directions as opposed to bitter ones when it comes to anger is allowing grace to come into our gaps of not reconciliation, not somebody saying I'm sorry, and not other people owning how they've sinned against us. That's where we need the presence of Jesus in multiple ways. And so, Helen Wolves, if you have unrequited, I, I use the phrase which I was intrigued to use. It's not like I press the applause button. <laughs> I use the phrase. But it was, it's at least interesting for me to have come upon the phrase unrequited anger. Where someone doesn't want to engage with you? Well, you yeah. So usually we'll use the phrase unrequited love, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but anger is similar to love in that it expects a reciprocation, a different kind of reciprocation. Uh -huh. But with both of those emotions, it takes two to tango. And when we're angry, according to the fallen horizon, we want to get even and punch back. And we want our requisition in that form. Or in a more godly way, we're seeking to restore a situation, address wounds in godly ways. But, either, but in both cases, unrequited anger is destabilizing and frustrating to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how God's made us as not only individual human beings, but collectively made in the image of God. So something to ponder why we can even use the phrase unrequited anger. And if it's not a common phrase, I think we're familiar with what it's trying to get at. So maybe that'll be the title of my pastoral memoir. <laughs> <laughs> oh no I think you're right I think all the anger jokes are, are oh done. unrequited anger A-N-G-E-H-R out. out ah amazing well speaking of that let's talk doctrine of hell just for one more moment the, <laughs> I, I I mentioned during the sermon that there are only two ultimate locations for sin it's unrequited sin uh the cross or uh, eternal judgment. And I allowed that that's really hard for both Christians, not only non-Christians, but Christians to think about. But I did attempt to turn it on its head and say there is an aspect of this that is not horrible news, namely that all sin is seen and reckoned with in God's universe. Mm -hmm. And the alternative, w we might instinctively run away from that idea, but the alternative is that all sin, anger, wrong is ultimately unrequited. And it just sort of happens. Nobody sees it. Nobody notes it. There's no ultimate reckoning for it. Therefore, it's fair to say it just kind of doesn't matter. And so doctrine of hell is not only a warning to us, but an assurance that God sees and takes care of sin. So I think there is some comfort there, even if it is in this late modern context 
one of the rockier aspects of the Christian story, but not without its pastoral comforts at the same time. Mm-hmm. That someone else is fighting for justice. Yeah. The, just, the injustice that is causing you anger. Well said, baby. <laughs> now, can we move on? Yes. <laughs> Barbara and After you. <laughs> you, had, you had quite a few. The highlight was um, hulking out, which... Yeah. Got what? some audience engagement. I was going to ask, you heard, you're in the audience, the congregation, let's say, and I, I heard a few people shout out, yeah, that's from the Avengers, right? Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. There we go. Good job by Liberty Collingswood. I'm always angry. That was Bruce Banner right before climactically turning into the Hulk. I, last week I went back and watched that scene. Mm-hmm. I may have watched... <laughs> The entire Battle of New York in the first Avengers <laughs> movie, just just to remind myself of context for the purpose of uh-huh. preaching an accurate sermon, and yeah, it, it's it's a great line, it's a great scene, and what happens right after he turns it, it's the that giant flying caterpillar thing from the Chitari that's bearing down on the Avengers, and right after Bruce Banner turns into Hulk, and this vessel has been decimating the city. Hulk just punches it on the nose yep. and stops it. Pretty He's great. Ready. So yep. that, that was fun. I enjoyed that, being able to reference that. And then we also had Char- uh, John Cassian once again. I think it's a philosopher, Charles Duhigg. Anger is one of the densest forms of communication. Contains more information more quickly than almost any other type mm-hmm. of emotion. Mm-hmm. And it does an excellent job of forcing us to listen to and confront problems we might otherwise avoid. I, I had thought that the context, and this is from an article a couple years ago talking about how America is getting angrier and angrier, newsflash. Before I double-checked where I got that quote from, I thought, and I didn't say this in the sermon because it would have been untrue, have you read the reportage about the Disney Pixar Inside Out movie about all of the different sorts of emotions... I mean, I know the, the movie, but... What yeah, so, so, so when the producers, directors, screenwriters, they actually consulted psychologists, apparently, and tried to get a handle on how different emotion, how are different emotional cells interact uh-huh. with one another. So apparently it's accurate concerning the human person. But, Wait, but you just said it's not accurate. Wait, the re- no. My, I I I thought I pulled a quote from reading that I'd I done see, about see. Inside Out, but I did not. Okay, and so you just next Inside it would, Out. It would have been great. Yeah, I would have Anger's wanted to. Anger's not the biggest emotion in Inside Out, so. I never saw it. It's about feelings. <sighs> Boring. <laughs> Doesn't mean uh, I wouldn't have referenced it. It's how it works uh-huh, in show uh-huh, business. Uh-huh. The show business of preaching. We also had N.T. Wright, and also talk, talking about the life-giving effects of cross on the world. And then I mentioned at the very end of the sermon, quoted Jeremiah Sullivan talking about how he went to Creation Fest. Yep, had, got a shout-out from Yeah, audience. from the pews. Uh, was Creation Fest, Creation on your radar as a nope. kid, or I wonder if, if, I wonder it's, if it's newer, newer yeah, or you were so far away. Texas to Pennsylvania. Uh, But the secular writer went to Creation Fest and talked about he's never been surrounded by so many thousands of white males that were not angry. Yeah. There's probably some counter-arguments or counter-articles about Christian 
Christians who are very angry. But. They have been, and I I mentioned this was before life became nastier over the past 10 years, sure. but I still think it's a positive, I'll take yeah, this positive yeah. portrayal here mm-hmm. and trust that there is a gospel influence at work in the impressions that, that Sullivan gave. Um, that's all I had for bar, bar band cover tunes, Em. Do you have anything else? No. Oh, okay. Got anything else? Any I cut a Taylor Swift reference. Oh, yes, I heard about that. So when I was mentioning about how there can be double standards for men and women relating to anger, there's a Taylor Swift song, Mean Woman, where she's calling out that double standard. I could have referenced it, but I was... Taylor Swift has become a strangely polarizing politicized figure that i didn't the juice wasn't worth the squeeze but that's so weird of you the uh, yeah i think twice about quoting taylor swift just yeah because all of a sudden there's a lot of people that hate her um and there's a lot of people love her that are doubling down on the people that hate her so it's something (laughs) is this is not the grenade moment it was not i feel like you've You've, uh, Maybe I'm face. overthinking it, but 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 I was gonna make a joke with 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 the reference. I would have said like the song "Mean Woman," written and performed by Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. Yeah, hilarious. I thought it would have been funny. So even with a good joke, I uh-huh. said that's eh, uh-huh. not worth that it. Uh, so that that's why we listen to the rest of the story on post Sunday Blues at Gmail. Wait, oh yeah, no. Preaching postmortem. But if you want to write in, post something blues at gmail.com. No Helen Wolf's for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything no, else? Last words, not, not for me. Okay. And with that. Wait. What? <laughs> I got to get out of Podcast here. Podcast is interrupt us. I just want to say this coming. Do you want to guess the. Just, we'll wrap up in 30 seconds. Guess the sin for this coming week. Uh, murder. No, that's anger. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, it's not a different one. A uh, lion? I don't know. Sloth or listlessness? Uh, <laughs> that's one of mine. <laughs> okay. And with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.